0: Welcome, and thanks for tuning in to the Restoration Foursquare Church Audio Podcast. We're glad you're joining us today. Stay tuned for today's message. Enjoy, and God bless. Amen. So good to see you guys. How many of you guys have been enjoying our series as we're going through the book of Ephesians? Anybody been enjoying it? It's been good? Amen. Well this morning we're going to continue, we're going to continue that study, the journey of a Jesus follower. We're going to be looking at uh, the back half of chapter 3 in the book of Ephesians. And so if you've got your Bibles or an iPad or a device with a Bible on it, it uh, will be in Ephesians chapter 3. Uh, we're going to start reading uh, in verse 14. And we'll continue on down to 21 through the end of the chapter and also the verses will be behind me uh, on the screen. So verse 14 reads, when I think of all of this, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator uh, of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources and power, He, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. Your roots will grow down deep and God's love will keep you strong. In verse 18, and you may have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand. Then you will be made complete with all fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to him who was able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever. Amen. Would you pray with me this morning? God, we thank you for your goodness, Lord. We thank you for your faithfulness, God. I pray in our next few moments together, God, I pray that you would illuminate your word, God. I pray that you would bring us fresh revelation from heaven, God. I pray that your spirit would just saturate this house, God. I pray that we would not leave the doors the same way we walked in them, God. We give you this time. We give you this service. We say, wreck our agendas for what you want to do, God. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. And everybody said, amen and amen. Thank you, Mario. Well, it is an honor to stand before you this morning. I want to give honor to our pastor, uh, Pastor Huey, for giving me this opportunity to be with you. And so this morning, we're going to be continuing in our series, The Journey of a Jesus Follower. And we're just going to get right into it. As we see Paul in verse 14, we we begin to see Paul begin to pray for the church in Ephesus. And as Paul is praying for this church in Ephesus... He gets really descriptive with his prayer. He gets really descriptive. He says, when I think of all of this, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. And I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength from his spirit. Inner strength. Paul begins to pray. He begins to pray. He begins to have a conversation on behalf of the people of Ephesus. And this morning, I'm going to bring to you a message entitled Same Stuff, Different Day. And we're going to begin to unpack Paul's prayer. Same Stuff, Different Day. And I love how this title came about. I love how this title came about and how God just kind of downloaded this in, in, in me. And for those of you who don't know me, I'm Josh Hudson. I'm one of seven siblings, and I, and I have an amazing family. But I have a very awesome brother-in-law. And me and Gary were talking one day, and we were having a conversation. And every time I talk to Gary, we kind of have a, 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 a continuous exchange every time we see each other. I say, like, hey, Gary, how's everything going? Well, hey, Josh, everything's going well. Same stuff, different day. His voice is deep, so I'm trying to have a deep voice right now. My voice isn't very deep, so that kind of sounded funny. But, man, same stuff, different day. And, and he says, same stuff, different day quite frequently. Anybody ever heard that phrase, same stuff, different day? And so he said that, he, and he always says that to me. And one day, I was reading, you know, doing, spending my time with Jesus, going through Ephesians, because that's what we're going through as a church. And, and God just dropped that phrase in my spirit, same stuff, different day. And I begin to think about it. I begin to think about what that means, same stuff, different day. Does it mean I'm walking through the same stuff and it's like Tuesday instead of Wednesday? Like is it just the day that's different? What makes makes it different? What makes it different? And so today we're going to explore that thought, but we're going to explore that thought with a question. And that question is, how are you on the inside? How are you on the inside? And when I say inside, I'm not talking about your heart, your lungs, your kidneys, you know, your major bodily functions. But like, how are you on the inside? Like that deep inner you that only you know, not this fake facade that you put on on Sunday mornings for a couple of hours, but like the deep you, like the real inside you. How are you on the inside? That's what we're going to be going through this morning. And going back to Paul, he gets really descriptive with this prayer. He says, I fall to my knees and, and I begin to pray. And Paul prays in verse 16 that God from his glorious unlimited resources will empower you with inner strength. And if you look at the historical context of the people of Ephesus, their living conditions were horrible. Horrible. Like not like... I'm on wicked food stamps, horrible, but like I'm scraping by to have something simply over my head to begin with. But Paul didn't pray that God would meet their exterior need. Think about, like Paul, Paul didn't pray that they would have food, shelter, water, clothing. Paul didn't pray for a pay raise. Paul didn't pray for a new job. Paul prayed that God would empower them with inner strength. With inner strength, Paul said, I'm praying for what's inside of you. Now, why is that important? Why is it important what's inside of us? According to 3 John chapter 1, verse 2, it says, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. It's important what God is doing on the inside of us. Verse 16 says that God, out of his unlimited resource, would empower you. You ever have a situation in your life that you're walking through and you you say something like this? Man, God, it's going to take a lot to fix this. Or you look at your own life like you know how jacked up you really are on the inside. Man, it's going to take a lot to fix me. It's going to take a lot to fix what's going on. In here, but 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 Paul said that God would, would, would fill you with inner strength through His unlimited resources. What you've got to know this morning, church, is God is not short on supply to meet your need. You may have a high demand, but God has the supply to meet your need. God's not short on supply, your need is not too small, your need is not too big. He's not short on supply to meet your need, whatever it is. He's not short on supply. You take your car to a mechanic, and the mechanic says something like this, man, that's, that's going to cost you. Anybody, anybody been there? Am I the only one? I, I'm in that situation right now. It's, it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you. But I'm going to wake you up to something this morning, church. It's going to cost you to fix, what's, to fix us from the inside out. It's going to cost you. It's going to cost you because once God begins to work, you've got to pay that cost. But watch this. That cost is what, how you respond on the outside. What God has done on the inside of you must govern and dictate how you respond to what happens on the outside of you. What God is doing in you dictates how you respond outwardly. It's going to cost you. So when God works in me, how I respond outwardly. It has to match with what he's doing in me. But here's what it's gonna cost you it's gonna cost you worry, it's gonna cost you fear. It's going to cost you stress. It's going to cost you anxiety because I can no longer afford to be anxious when I know that God is working in me. I can no longer afford to be fearful because I know that God is working in me. I can no longer afford to have anxiety because what God is doing in me, is going to cost you everything that you're worrying about because you've got a God who's already paid for it. It's going to cost you, but it's going to cost you in a good way. We often think of costs like, man, I got to give something up, but you want to give this stuff up. This is what you want to give up. This is the stuff that keeps you up at night. This is the stuff you toss and turn over. This is the stuff you worry about inwardly. But God says, let me fix what's in you so you can respond outwardly. It's not the outside of the car that makes it run. It's not the outside of the car that makes it run, but far too often we're so fixated on the exterior things. You can have a Ferrari but no engine and go nowhere. You can have a Lamborghini with no tires and go nowhere. We're so fixated on the outside. Watch this. You may not know how your situation is going to work out, but you know who is going to work it out. You may not know how, but you know who. Is there anybody in the house today that says I may not know how I may not know how, but I know who I know who and who has a name? and his name is Jesus. I may not know how it's gonna work. I may not know how this is gonna all work itself out, but I know who's gonna work it out on my behalf. And that doesn't happen unless you allow God to work on you from the inside out. From the inside out. It's the same stuff different day what makes the day different is what God is doing on the inside of me because it governs how I respond to what happens on the outside of me same stuff different day yeah I may still have cancer but I woke up this morning with God doing something on the inside of me I may still be fighting for a job but I woke up with God doing something on the inside of me some of you need to stand up and wake up to what God is doing on the inside of you what he's doing on the inside of you. But watch this, you can't fix inside issues with outside cosmetic touch-ups. You can't fix an inside issue with a cosmetic touch-up. You're stressed over your kids acting a fool. The answer is to not go shopping to numb your, to numb your pain. Your husband's driving you nuts. The answer isn't to, isn't to go do whatever you wanna do. Think about it. We've got this inward stuff that we try to band aid with exterior things. You can't put a band aid over a bullet hole, church. You can't. We, we, we think all of these things will fix what's happening on the inside of us. But we get it backwards sometimes. We have to live from inside out, not outside in. Paul said inner strength. Inner strength. Your outside functionality will only be as good as your inward condition. Your outside functionality will only be as good as your inward condition. Your inward condition. And we're made up of so much stuff on the inside of us. Think about, go back to a car. If one small thing is wrong, it could throw the whole thing out of whack. So what is God doing with you on the inside? But here's what you've got to know, church. People don't always see what God is doing in you. But you still got to allow him to do it. We live in a society, we live in a culture where we want people to see our progress. We want people to see our growth. Yeah, you go to the gym to feel good about yourself, but ultimately you go to the gym to turn heads. Like, let's be real. If you're a husband, you go to the gym to turn your wife's head. If you're a wife, you go to the gym to turn your husband's head. If you're single, you go to the gym to turn everybody's head. You want people to see your progress. You want people to say, hey, girl, you're losing weight. I am planning fitness all day. <laughs> you want people to see your progress. But people aren't always going to see your progress. People aren't always going to see what God is doing in you. But you've still got to allow him to do it. You still got to allow him to do it. But you've got to be still in order for him to do it. Have you ever driven your car and got it worked on at the same time? Think about it. Have you ever driven your car and got it worked on at the same time? No. So why do we think we can go, 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 and God work on the inside of us? Why do we think we can just dart from one thing to the next and allow God to work on us? You can't. You can't. Psalms 4610, it says, be still, be still and know that I am God. If we're not still long enough for God to work on us, we won't get to where he's trying to take us. If you're not still long enough for God to work on you, you won't get to where he's trying to take you. You've got to be still. You've got to be still because God is trying to tune you up for the trip he wants to take you on. He's tuning you up for the trip he's trying to take you on. But you've got to be still long enough to allow him to do what he needs to do. He is a master mechanic of us. And we've got to let him do what only he can do. Paul says that he would empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Same stuff, different day. It's what he's doing on the inside of you. That makes the day different. Your exterior circumstances may be the same, but the difference is what he's doing in you. What is he doing in you? Continuing on in verse 17, Paul says, Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. As I was growing up, I remember, like, on Saturday mornings, I would, I, I would have this high anticipation of sleeping in. Because when you're a teenager, you value sleep, and you just want to sleep all the time. And so I remember some Saturday mornings, I'd be in my bed, sound asleep, looking peaceful and perfect as an angel, as I was. And, <laughs> and then my mother would knock on the door and say, Josh, it's time to get up. And... I remember thinking to myself, why? I never said that out loud because I valued breathing. And so I thought to myself, why? And there were a few times where it slipped out and I said why? And her response was because I said so. And that's the only response I needed, and I promptly got up. And and I and I remember as we would have, you know, people come by the house. Anybody ever have somebody come by the house and Like, the cleaning game is real strong, and you've got to clean the house up. You've got to pick stuff up. You've got to make sure the house looks right. I remember growing up, and we we like, we deep clean, like deep clean. And so we would always clean up the house for company when they would come over. And, you know, partially because we, we like having a clean house, but also you want to make sure if you've got guests coming over that your house looks as presentable as possible, right? And so, and we have guests come over and we'd always clean. And I thought about that as I read this verse. And, and, and God really illuminated something. Jesus isn't this house guest that comes over for lunch on Sunday. Jesus isn't a house guest that comes over for dinner on Wednesday nights. But we think we can clean ourselves up enough to make it presentable to suit him. Think about it. We come to church to clean ourselves up to make it suitable and presentable for Jesus, our house guest. Jesus is not this house guest that wants to just come over for lunch on Sunday or come over for dinner on a Tuesday night. He wants to make his home in your heart. He wants to make his home in your heart Jesus is not this house guest or the cousin that comes from out of town unexpectedly that stays for a couple of days and you say make yourself at home but what you really mean is make yourself a little bit comfortable because by the third fourth or fifth day I'm gonna be asking you when are you leaving Jesus isn't that Jesus wants to make his home in your heart. He wants to make himself comfortable. And in order for Jesus to get comfortable, he's got to rearrange some stuff inside of you to fit his living conditions. When you say make yourself at home, Jesus is going to make himself at home. That means he's going to have to rearrange your inward furniture. He's going to have to move some stuff around. You've got to be okay with him moving some stuff around. It may look awkward. You may not be used to it, but eventually you're going to say, man, I'm better because of this. I'm better because Jesus made his home in my heart. I'm better with this picture being on this wall instead of that wall. I'm better because I know Jesus has made his home in my heart. Is Jesus at home in your heart? Or is he this house guest that simply comes over and you give him the spare bedroom in the back? Or is he at home? At home. And think about what that means. When I say at home, I mean at home. Like he's moving your stuff. Allow Jesus to move your stuff. Because the reality is, you don't own it anyway. You don't own it anyway. You've got to allow him to move around whatever he needs to move around to fit his living conditions. Because he's got to make himself at home. And then he goes on, and he says that your roots will grow down deep, and God's love will keep you strong. I remember a little while ago, uh, Angel and Evelyn were out of town, and I had some time on my hands. And anytime you give a guy time on his hands, typically if he's at the house, he'll come up with a couple of projects to do. He'll fix the car. He'll get the lawn nice and right. You know, we'll, we got this list of things that we do. And so... I decided to try my hand at landscaping my little front, you know, small garden that was just looking atrocious. I think we got a picture of it up there. I think the before is up. uh, that's, That's the after. Spoiler alert. It looked real good. Okay, this is the before. All right. So this is the before. As you can see. It was pretty bad. It was, it, it was bad, like weeds everywhere, things that were dead. It wasn't looking too appealing at all. But this is the after, as you've already seen. That's the after. That's the after. Shout out to my mom for helping me out with that. She kind of knows what she's doing a little bit. So we, we got, we, but, but, but I got it right. I got it right. But here's what had to happen. You can can take that off now. But here's what had to happen in order for that to get right. It wasn't enough for me just to go to Lowe's and get some real nice plants and just kind of put them in there. It wasn't enough for me to get that nice little brick border and put it along the outside edges of my weeded flower bed. I had to uproot some stuff, I had to dig some stuff out. God is, God is asking you to, what, what are you going to uproot? Jesus came to uproot some stuff in you this morning so he could plant what he wants to plant. You've got to dig some stuff out. And some of this stuff you can't just pull. Some of this stuff you've got to get a shovel and you've got to dig down deep because it's on the inside of you. And you've got to dig that stuff out. You've got to allow God to dig some stuff out of you, and it's not going to feel pleasant, but you're going to look better, and you're going to be better because of it. It's not enough for you to put a border around weeds. It's not enough for you to make a little bit of space and put a nice little plant in there. Because watch this, church. If you put new plants but leave the weeds, the roots from the weeds will choke out the thing that you just planted. It will choke out the thing that God is wanting to do in you. Jesus came to uproot the thing that, God, that, that, that the enemy was trying to use to choke you out. He came to uproot the thing that was trying to choke you out. But you've got to allow him to dig it up first. You've got to allow him to dig it up. You've got to be rooted. You've got to be grounded in, in the love of Jesus. Because when you're rooted and grounded in the love of Jesus, you're not swayed by things that are contrary to that love. When you're, when you're rooted deep, you're not swayed because you're sure of your foundation. You've got to allow him to dig up some stuff and uproot what doesn't need to be in you so he can put what he wants in you. said that you will be rooted down deep. And then after you're rooted down deep, you've got to continue to take care of your soul. When was the last time you really took time to take care of your soul? To take care of the inside you? We get so busy, we get so caught up with going, 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 getting the kids to practice, making sure dinner's on the table, making sure you still got a job the next day, making sure you've got all this stuff done. But when was the last time you were still before God and said, work on the inside of me? How is your soul? How is your soul? Because in order for weeds not to continue to grow around you, even though God just planted something, you've got to continuously water it. You've got to continuously pull up those little things that try to poke themselves out above the surface. You've got to continually care for your soul. You've got to continually care for the inside you. Paul go, then goes on to say, and this is from the, the, the English Standard Version, he says that you may have strength to comprehend with all of the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge. And then you will be filled with the fullness of Christ. God wants to grant you understanding of your situation." He wants to give you understanding of what you're walking through. Paul says that you will have the strength to comprehend. The strength to comprehend. It's in him that you comprehend what you didn't comprehend before. It's in him that you see what you didn't see before. It's God giving you understanding that makes your day different. Because you still may be walking through the same thing. Your kids still may may be acting a fool. But you see what you didn't see before. God wants you to see your situation how you didn't see it yesterday. That's what makes it different. That's what makes it different, what he is allowing you to see. Pray that God would grant you understanding. Pray that God would grant you understanding. Far too often, church, we pray that God would take us out of the situation, but God wants to give you understanding in the midst of your situation. It's not that God would take you out, but that God wants you to see what you didn't see before. He wants you to see what you didn't see before. It's not about getting out, but it's about what God wants to show you in the midst of it. We can't just rely on hindsight to get revelation from God. Some of that that went over your head a little bit. Let 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 me break this down. We can't just rely on hindsight to get revelation from God. What I mean when I say that is sometimes it's not enough for us to get through a situation and then turn around and see what God did. We far too often say, God, get me through this and then turn me around so I can see what you did. But God is saying, I want you to stand in the middle of that thing and I want you to look around and I want you to see what I'm doing. God wants to show you what he's doing, not just what he did. God wants you to be in the middle of your situation and he wants you to look around and say, look at what I'm doing. It's not just about me getting you through and seeing what I did. He wants you to see what he's doing in the midst. I'm preaching better than y'all responding this morning. He He wants to show you what he's doing in the middle of your situation. In the middle of your situation. But in order to be fixed on Jesus in the middle of your mess, you've got to allow him to work on your insides. Because our mess is all tied to how we respond outwardly. But God is saying, if you let me work in you, you're not going to respond to the mess, but you're going to respond to the message that I'm trying to get through to you. Your outside response to the mess. Your inside response to the message. What is God saying in the midst of what you're walking through? Same stuff, different day. God wants to grant you understanding that you would comprehend it. Because far too often we say, man, I'm just going through it. I don't understand. How many many of you said that? You're walking through a situation and you say, I don't understand what you're doing. That's why it's a mess. Think about it. Because you are, you're always looking to understand it, but you can't understand it because you hadn't, got, you hadn't asked God to really give you understanding. You can't understand it in your own intellect. You've got to allow God to show you. It's, Paul said that God would grant you comprehension, that God would give you that. What is God trying to show you in the middle of what you're walking through? in the middle of what you're walking through because there's certain things you can only see when you're in the middle of it there are certain things that you can only see when you're walking in the middle of something because you have a limited perspective once you get through the other side and turn around and look at it but there's intricate details that God doesn't want you to miss but you have to be still enough for him to work on the inside of you and you've got to pay attention to what he's doing in you in the middle of the thing that it is you're walking through What is he doing in the middle? Paul then goes on to say that we would know the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge, and that we would be filled with the fullness of God. That we would be filled with the fullness of God. If anybody knows me at all, you know I love to eat you didn't have to say amen so quickly. I love to eat. (laughs) I love food. And any, any of my fellow foodies, you know that there's nothing worse than sitting down for a meal and not getting full. Anybody been there? Like you sit down and like you're real hungry, but you just don't get full for whatever reason. Like nothing worse than that. That frustrates me a lot. It really frustrates me when I sit down and I don't get full. And even though Paul's not speaking of a physical fullness here, he's speaking of a of, of spiritual fullness, oftentimes we don't get full because we're eating the wrong thing. You don't get full because you're eating the wrong thing. When was the last time you felt spiritually full? The last, think about it, when was the last time you felt spiritually satisfied? Spiritually full. Because what happens is we get full on Sunday, and then we leak out the rest of the week. And then we get full on Sunday, and we leak out the rest of the week. When was the last time you were sustainably, consistently full? What are you eating? What are you consuming during the week? Now watch this. As God works on the inside of you, your cravings are going to change. As God works inwardly in you, as he moves some stuff around, as he rearranges your spiritual appetite, as he gives you a spiritual diet, it's going to taste different. If you're used to eating pride, humility is going to taste different. If you're used to eating pride, humility is going to taste different. If you're used to consuming selfishness, selflessness is going to taste different. If you're used to walking in hate, walking in love is going to taste different. God is trying to change your diet. God is trying to say, you got to start eating the right stuff to be full. You're not eating the right thing. That's why you're leaking. That's why you're not full. That's why you're not spiritually satisfied. That's why you're saying, God, I thought there was more. I'm trying to give you more, but you're getting picky about what you're eating. You can't be picky about what God is trying to give you. He knows what he's doing. Yeah, that salad doesn't look good, but it's going to fill you up and give you nourishment. What are you eating? You're not fooled because you're eating the wrong thing. And it's not just about eating the right thing, but watch this. Paul says that we would be filled but that we would do it with all the saints. Far too often, we say things like, I just got to go away. I got to go to a beach. I got to go on a cruise. I got to go do something to get filled. Being full doesn't happen in isolation, church. The enemy works in isolation, but in our natural minds, we say, I got to go away to get full. Fullness happens in the midst of the community. That's why we push life groups. That's why we push you getting involved. That's why we push you to be in community with one another, because fullness happens when you're surrounded by people to lift you up, to support you, to encourage you. Fullness happens in the midst of community. Fullness happens when you're sitting around a table with people and you get full. Because watch this, sometimes you may need to eat off somebody else's plate. Sometimes you may need to eat off somebody else's plate. Sometimes you may need to share what God is feeding you to feed somebody else. But you can't do that if you're sitting around an empty table. Who are you sitting around? What are you taking in? What are you eating? Because you also could be eating the right thing but sitting around the wrong people. You could be eating the right thing but sitting around the wrong people. Who are you doing life with? Who are you inviting to your table? Fullness happens in the midst of community. You've got to regularly do life together. But now that we know we need to get full, but what do we need to get full of? What do we need to get full on? Paul says that we may be filled with the fullness of God. God is wanting to show you God. God is wanting to show you himself, all of himself, that you will be filled with the fullness of God. But like I said, we don't get full because you're eating the wrong thing. We do what I call making Christian cocktails. We make Christian church cocktails. Most of you know what a cocktail is. You're not that saved. It's okay. Cocktail. You take a shot of something and you mix something else with it typically. And you you know you, you mix it up and it makes a drink, right? We make Christian cocktails. We pour a shot of... Jesus or out of church. We mix in some Sunday morning with it. But then we start mixing other stuff with it. You start mixing some self-help. You start mixing whatever the latest trend or fad or article you read on Facebook. We mix that in there. You start mixing some new age. You start mixing some, some horoscope or whatever it is other people are telling you need to mix in your life for it to be full. But watch this. When you mix something else with God, it's no longer God. When you you mix something else with it, it's no longer God. When you mix something else with Jesus, it's no longer Jesus. But watch this. If you mix something else with it, it dilutes the strength of the original thing you put in it. If you mix something else with God, his strength and empowerment in your life is no longer what it should be. Because it takes away from the strength of God in your life. And some of you, you're wondering, why aren't I seeing God moving? Because you're mixing stuff with it. God said, don't mix me with it. Take me straight up. Take me straight up. It may burn a little bit, but take me straight up. Stop mixing stuff with it. God didn't say mix it. God said, take it straight up. You wonder why it's not strong. Because you're mixing stuff with it. Yes, I just gave an analogy of a cocktail to talk about the presence of God in your life. (laughs) Don't mix it. Take it straight. Because he wants to empower you with inner strength. With inner strength. You get used to it, don't worry. Inner strength. You can't mix it. You cannot mix it. But we get so caught up with all these other things. We get so caught up with this stuff. I read this article on Facebook. Sister Susie told me about this one thing. She started trying. We pull from all these other sources to fix the inside. Think about it. You're pulling from another source to fix the inside. That's like me having a Samsung phone and sending it to Apple to get fixed. It don't make no sense. you got to return that thing to the original manufacturer. You've got issues on the inside. you got to go back to the source. you got to go back to the, your creator. He knows you better than anybody else. I don't have time for aftermarket third-party parts to fix the inside of me. I need the original manufacturer to get my insides right. What is he doing on the inside of you? What is he doing on the inside of you? And then we get to verse 20. If good old Ephesians 3.20. Now, all glory to him who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we may ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever. Amen. Ephesians 3.20. What some would say is, One of the most popular verses in the Bible, it's what I call a bumper sticker verse. You see it on things all the time. It's actually on my wristband that I'm rocking right now. But watch this. God showed this to me, and I believe it's going to wreck some of you guys, and I believe it's going to really give you revelation into what God is saying to us right now. This verse hinges on one word, and it's it's not infinitely more than you could ask, think, or imagine. But it's now it says now all glory to him who was able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. It says now God doing infinitely more in your life is predicated on what you're allowing him to do in you. It said now, meaning it happens after everything else, after he's given you inner strength, after you've allowed Jesus to make his home in your heart, after you're rooted in love, after he grants you understanding, after you're full, then you will see him do infinitely more than you could ask, think, or imagine. You can't isolate this verse and say, God's going to do infinitely more on the outside when you're not allowing him to work on the inside. God works from inside out, not outside in. It says now now this does not happen before this happens what is he doing on the inside of you Same stuff, different day but we want the same but we want a different day doing the same stuff We want a different day doing the same stuff It's not going to work It's not going to work. What is God doing on the inside of you? It says now. It says now. And even, even in this, it says through his mighty power at work within you. It's through his work within you. Everything Paul is saying in this verse goes back to what God is doing in you. How's your soul this morning? How's the inside you this morning? How's your spirit this morning? It says, according to his work within you. Within you. And then verse 21, as we close, it says, glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever. Amen. When God does move when that infinitely more than you could ask, think, or imagine does happen, it's still not about us. It's still not about us. It's all for his glory. He works on the inside of you because of his glory. He doesn't work on the inside of you because you're good enough and you're worth working on. He works on the inside of you so you can show the world his glory, so he can move through you for his glory. He can do any more than you could ask, think, or imagine for his glory. It all goes back to God getting glory. It all goes back to God getting glory. Because if Paul prayed, I prayed that you would just bless them with all the stuff. And there was no process, but you just got a product. You wouldn't value it. You wouldn't give him glory because it just happened. But if you see the progress of what God is doing in you. You give him glory, allow God to work in you, allow God to rearrange the furniture, allow God to tune you up for the trip that he wants to take you on. Stop mixing stuff when he said, take me straight. Because watch this, we mix stuff so it goes down easier. You mix it so it's easier to handle. But God said, I'm working in you. I'm working in you. And you need what I put in you to get out what I've designed to get out of you. It has to work that way, church. It has to. You get out what you put in. You get out what you put in. So what is he doing in you? How still are you being to allow him to work on your soul? When was the last time you just sat down and said, God, what are you doing in me? Not what you're doing with my situation. Not what you're doing with even my kids or my job or my finances or even my marriage. What are you simply doing in me? Because I believe once you allow God to really work in you, everything else will come. Husbands, allow God to work in you and watch what that does for your relationship with your wife. Wives, allow God to work in you and watch how you respond to your husband, your kids, whatever it is that you're walking through. Allow God to work in you. Take care of your soul. Take care of the intricacies that God put in you because he took time on you. So because he took time on you, we need to take time with him. Because God took time on you We need to take time With him and care for our soul Care for the inside us And that concludes today's message Thanks again for tuning in to the Restoration Foursquare Church audio podcast We hope you have been encouraged and empowered by today's message If you would like to learn more about our church Please visit our website By going to r4sq.org We pray you have a great week God bless